ask me to talk. Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas from the ridiculous to the sublime on Don't Ask Me to Talk. Now, here's your host, Stacy Heller. That's me. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Don't Ask Me to Talk. By the way, if you can't listen live each week, which is what my friends tell me when I asked if they listened to the latest show, and I know they're lying, but it makes me feel better to let them know that it's also uh, the show is also a podcast. And if they want to know more about it, then they can text D-A-M-T-T to the number 55678. Then you'll get info and I'll have a false sense that people are listening to me. Because why talk if no one's listening? Um, I want to make sure that I mention that joining me today is a lady that I am so honored to be able to call my friend. Um, Cherry O'Neill is joining me. Yes, I am. I'm so excited. She is like an OG (laughs) multi-hyphenate. Like now Disney like churns out like triple threats like nobody's business. But you're like a a hexa threat. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's a thing, but it is now. We'll make it one. We'll make it one. And so I am so excited to have you on the show. I'm so glad to be here. So we are going to we're going to talk in great detail about many of your hyphenates after I (laughs) do my weekly rant. Um, By the way, if you want to call in like mom did last week, then you can call 425-373-5527. Again, that is 425-373-5527. Uh, Okay. I also want to remind people that this Thursday I am doing a Facebook Live event. Um, It is going to be at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, a.k.a. I'm based in Seattle. You know, for those people listening across the entire (laughs) world. um, Well, three of my listeners listen from across (laughs) the country anyway. Um, So Tennyson Jacobson, who did the podcast Common Ground, the podcast, she is going to be talking about her experience doing the podcast, what that was like, answering questions that people may have, and um, just generally interacting with people. And if you haven't listened, it's really a binge-worthy podcast. So check it out. It's on most platforms, or you can go to commongroundthepodcast.com, and um, you'll have a chance to connect with me and Tenny. Okay. So now, now it's about me, so I can relax. Um, This week has been an interesting week, and I realized when I was getting ready for today's show that there are things that I hadn't thought about until this past week. Here they are, in no particular order. (laughs) Let's say, I don't know, you go to jail. I'm just saying, throwing it out there. Who's your one call? I mean, this is a question. A lot of times women think about things like, you know, if you found out your your significant other was cheating, like, you know, do you want your friends to tell you? And, you know, if you who's the person that you tell if you're going through a major surgery, like you've got breast cancer, God forbid, or let's say you're going to be expanding or contracting (laughs) said breasts, Um, (laughs) you know, not everybody necessarily knows in your circles. So, like, it's that whole theoretical question of who is your person Mm -hmm. i i don't know i wouldn't call my mother 
as she said, I talked to her earlier. She's listening. She is listening, (laughs) and she's nodding her head and saying, it's true, because she said, if you called me, I'd say, I'm sorry, but I have plans, and I'm going to Lee's tonight. (laughs) (laughs) And if you can just hang out for a while, maybe I'll get you tomorrow. So, um, yeah, it's an interest. I mean, obviously, I guess I would go with Pete, but I'm thinking, like, pre-marriage, pre-support system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so anyway, that's something I had never really thought about. So that's exciting. Um, I also never thought about my mother and her friends inflating a pink rabbit for Easter holding a bunny, <laughs> kind of the way that Lucy from Peanuts holds the football and then she tries to get Charles to or Charlie yeah. Brown to, to hit it. Right. Um I never thought that my mother, I never thought I would see the day where my mother would order a pink Easter bunny, a pink Easter bunny and like blow it. Like she had to figure out how to blow it up (laughs) and like it's big enough. It's like three or four feet tall. So it's not like she's definitely not doing that with her mouth. (laughs) (laughs) She's not blowing that rabbit with her mouth. (laughs) Ha ha. Anyway, um, the other, (laughs) the other thing that... I have never thought about before this week is how much my dream life revolves around me wearing clothing like what Lucy wore in I Love Lucy. I love that. Every time I think about, I had a conversation with Stacey Harris um, at the end of last week and, you know, she's like, what's your dream job scenario? And I'm like, well, I come in in a full skirt with like a cinched waist just like Lucy did, and I clip-clop, clip-clop, and I come into the office, and I talk like Lorelai Gilmore, so really (laughs) fast. (laughs) And I'm like, hey, team, let's get to work, see? And I kind of have like a "Ah, little moxie. (laughs) And and I'm like, but first, let's eat cupcakes. So (laughs) that was like my ideal work scenario. It it doesn't seem that far from your reality. (laughs) I mean, maybe the clothes. (laughs) I mean, that's just kind of like, that's what I aspire to. And <laughs> well, you're getting there. <laughs> I'm trying. And I am constantly, whenever I dream about, you know, I've done like guided meditations and go to your future self and, you know, where are you? And I'm in any um, Diane Keaton kitchen from any movie in like the 2000s. <laughs> and I'm wearing a skirt like what Lucy wore. Yeah. Well, that's your that's your dream life, I guess. I I guess so. I'm like, I think it's because it would make my waist look thin. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's probably more to it than that. Maybe. Maybe. I also, you know, like the whole, like there's flounce to it and movement. Right. Um, So that's something else I I never thought about it. Uh, Then I also took a class on Sunday, Sunday, Saturday, about creativity. And it was really, really interesting. It was uh, facilitated by a friend of mine. I'm Juliet Ripley Dunkelberger, and she is an artist herself, and she is actually studying creativity Hmm. and how it shows up and how there is a creative mindset, how there is a creative space, and there is a creative climate, Mm -hmm. and how all of these things look different for different people. And it it was just an interesting 
look at the process of creativity. And at the beginning, she had everybody send a picture that was inspiring to them. And I, I sent a private chat to Beck, my friend, who was taking the class as well. And I was like, what am I doing here? They were all sending like pictures of like the rover on the moon and like, you know, a double helix, like close up of a like DNA or something and, you know, all of these very like pithy things. And I'm like, I like this picture by my dad. (laughs) I thought you were going to send a picture of one of your cats. but (laughs) Well, the idea was actually like something that makes you curious. And Mm. my, my father took this picture that looks like I have dubbed it the Three Bears Cottage. I'll have to share it on my stories later mm-hmm. so that people can know what I'm talking about. And it looks like it's the Three Bears Cottage. And it makes me curious, like, who lives in that house? Is it Goldilocks? Is it the Three Bears? Like, <laughs> you know, is it true that, You're like, channeling your inner Goldilocks, I think. Yeah. I think I am. <laughs> so that was a very interesting conversation to have and to really take some time to think about creativity, mm-hmm. which seemed apropos since I have a creative on the show this week. <laughs> I mean, again, like a hexahyphenate. <laughs> I'm totally coining this. Um, and then my last thing that I hadn't thought about until this past week is how much coasters matter to me. <laughs> <laughs> I have had a house guest at my house for a few days, and I feel like I am chasing them and putting a coaster under everything. <laughs> And I'm like, were you raised in a barn? What is going on? Now, is it because you value coasters or because you value the the maintenance of your fine furniture? Well, first of all, my furniture is really not that fine, but I was so raised to use a coaster. Yeah. And so it's an automatic reflex for me. And I also learned that it can leave rings on your furniture, and that's obviously a hassle. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. It's just like I never realized how much somewhere in your DNA. It is. (laughs) And I just noticed that I was like chasing my guest around like, here's a coaster, by the way. Here's a coaster, by the way. Here's a coaster, by the way. And if you're not used to using a coaster, you're like, what's up with the crazy lady and the coasters? (laughs) So I just want to be clear that I am not like necessarily the same one in that situation (laughs) I'm again I'm just pointing out things I hadn't thought about prior to this week yes so very um, revelatory week you've had it's been big (laughs) I have not found a cure for cancer I have not found a way to help um, all of the Texans that are struggling so much I have not found a way to bring peace and unity to a union divided (laughs) (laughs) however I have learned that coasters matter There you go. So I do want to give a quick shout out to my friend, Lee. It's her birthday today. So even though I'm sure you're not listening, happy birthday, Lee. (laughs) How do you know? Uh, She works. (laughs) Okay. Um, Now I want to pivot to my stasiism. And I know that you listen to the show because you, my friend, you always text me (laughs) after you listen and you talk about things that you've related to. Yes. So... In picking my stasiism today, I thought of you because you shared something similar to this idea. So my stasiism is, should be simple, but I don't think it is for enough people. 
that your kids are not your do-over. So, you know, you may have interests or abilities that are akin to your children, or I should say your children may have interests and abilities and talents that are akin to your own. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that they are now your... Your mini-me. Your mini-me. And that, you know, they're supposed to carry out your dreams or your potential or you live vicariously. Mm -hmm. We all do it in some way. I mean, frankly, who doesn't get excited when, you know, something happens for their kid and they're like, yes, this makes me feel good. Yeah. Um, But that said, it is let your kid have their own thing. Let Mm -hmm. them do it their own way. They're not going to listen to you. You didn't listen to your parents or mentors or anybody else. Why do you think you're so special? (laughs) You are not. So in thinking about that one, it made me think of the story that you tell Mm -hmm. about um, a moment of clarity that you had with one of your daughters. So I want you to share that. Yeah. um, You know, I was raised in a very strict household, very faith-based, you know, and I just assumed that raising our kids in a similar way, maybe not exactly the same, that that they would respond the same way we did. But I didn't realize that we were raising them in a world that was much different than the one that I grew up in, and I was very sheltered. And so when my oldest daughter started to experiment with substance use, it was shocking to me. Um, And... The, the more I found out about it, the more shocked I was because I became acutely aware of the dangers that go along with that. And one night I went to bed and as I closed my eyes, it was like I was seeing a, a screen, like a slideshow on mm-hmm. the back of my eyelids. And I was seeing a picture of her when she was an infant and a toddler and a preschooler and kindergarten. And I just started sobbing from this place that was so deep inside me, I didn't even know it existed. I was just flowing with tears. And I couldn't even stop long enough to tell my husband why I was crying. It was that. Husbands love that, by the way. <laughs> you crying in bed next right, to him. Right. And, and so I realized as I was watching this, you know, slideshow, virtual slideshow on the back of my eyelids, that it was like being at a funeral. It was like watching the slideshow at somebody's memorial service. And I realized I'm grieving the loss of the daughter that I thought I was going to have. And I, at the same moment that I realized why I was crying and mm-hmm. why I was having this experience, I also realized it was never my place to have had those expectations, that her life is her life and it's based on the choices that she makes. And while I would love to think that I can, you know, push the buttons and turn the dials and make her do what I think is best for her, That's not the way it works. I can set up guardrails. I can give consequences. I can offer guidance. Mm -hmm. I can be there. I can love her unconditionally, but I can't make her choices for her. And in a way, I kind of felt like that moment of realization helped me get through the next 20 years because she dealt with serious addiction issues for 20 years. Mm -hmm. She's now clean and sober. I'm so proud of her. She's doing great. She has a a three-and-a-half-year-old little girl that is just the cutest, most wonderful little, you know, kind of speak of mini-me, kind of reminds Mm -hmm. me of her. But there was a time when we didn't think that might happen because of the, you know, the choices that she made along the way. And just recently, she had heard me say that in the podcast that we did. Mm -hmm. And I I let her know, I said, you know, I'm not grieving, you know, uh, who you are. I am absolutely enthralled with who you are. I'm proud of you. 
that was something I had to go through or I wouldn't have been able to endure the next 20 years. And being that she was my oldest, it helped me in raising the other four. She was the oldest of five kids. And they've all gone through a period of, of time or something where I wished I could help them or I wish I could control the situation. And you can't. And as a person of faith, it helps me really appreciate how God has, mm-hmm. you know, given us free will. And he kind of sits back and goes, oh, no, they're not going to do that again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep, they are. And they're going to have sliced gonna, apple along with it. <laughs> and they're, And eventually, hopefully, we learn the hard way. But you know, that was my experience. And if I, if I had not had that moment of clarity, as you call it, I, I would have had a really rock, much rockier road uh, the next 20 years in dealing with her situation and with other situations that my kids have gone through. So mm-hmm. so I, I just love that. I love that as I think about that stasiism of how your kids aren't your do-over mm-hmm. and that, you know, not only are they not your do-over, but what you project that you think is best for them that let that go mm-hmm. and understand that what actually shows up is so much more authentic. And by the way, so much more brilliant than anything that you could ever have prescribed for your oh, kids. Yeah. yeah. So it's that's it's a powerful lesson. And, and the person that they become is their own as a result. They get to they get to own that. They get to claim that. And they wouldn't be who they are if they hadn't made the same decisions that they made. And I wouldn't be who I am if I hadn't made the decisions that I made early on. So right. And it takes you off the, the hook for uh, later on therapy. So, <laughs> so there's that. It's not my fault. You made the choice. Um, okay. On that note, always got to end on a therapy note. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, I am going to share more of Cherry O'Neill with you. We'll be right back with Don't Ask Me to Talk. Hi, this is Lisa Downs, host of Reigniting You, the show that takes a positive, forward-looking approach to mid-to-late career transitions for Gen Xers and Boomers every Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock Pacific. Whether you're looking to stay in the traditional workforce, do your own thing, or retire or semi-retire, Reigniting You is your source for career transition advice, inspiration, and insight for what's next in your career and life. Join me Wednesdays at 3 o'clock to get re-energized, recharged, and reignited. Feelings of disconnect are the cause of an ever-surging mental health crisis. Many of us feel apathetic about ourselves, our work, home, and relationships. We don't know how to re-engage. I'm Greg Kuiper of Kuiper Counseling. At the Root focuses on emotional connection and how awareness is at the root of building healthy relationships with self and others. Join me weekly to re-engage with both. At the Root airs Mondays at 3.30 p.m. here on KKNW. Subscribe to the podcast or go to Kuiper Counseling Self-help, healing, spirituality, and more on Alternative Talk, 1150. Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to Don't Ask Me to Talk. Hey, fun fact, folks. That show that just was advertised, At the Root with Greg Kuyper, I am on that show also. I get the opportunity to basically... Um, ask Greg all kinds of questions about connection and being aware and mindful. And so if you just listen or if you love to listen to me, mom, <laughs> then you can tune in to listen to Greg's show as well. Okay. Cherry. Yes. So as I've been telling everybody, you are a hexahyphenate. <laughs> and um, that's because you are a singer. 
You're a songwriter. You are a New York Times bestselling author and an author generally of three books. You are an actor. You are an artist. And you are a coach. What have I missed? Dancer? <laughs> I love to dance. I get dizzy when I do turns, so that kind of... <laughs> That kind of aced me out of that. But I did take tap as an adult for three years and relished in the fact that I had my kids come to my recital. So, Oh, <laughs> did they bring you flowers? <laughs> I don't remember. I was just glad they were in the audience, you know. I know. It's like the expectations are so low when, like, the, the tables are turned. If you're a little kid, you're like, where are my flowers? But as a parent, you're like, you're here. So, so let's peel back the layers on this. So starting with the singer-songwriter piece, mm -hmm. maybe let people know who you are. Right. A little bit of my, uh, my background. Well, I am the oldest daughter of singer-actor Pat Boone. Um, and you might have to Google him. <laughs> if you're of a certain age. Right, right. <laughs> but he was the big, you know, the big craze right before Elvis. He was as popular as Elvis but he was the parentally approved version. I used to tell my kids, I said, so, because they were like, Daddy Pat used to be that famous? I said, yeah, yeah, he was, you know, he was like the big deal, you know. Mm -hmm. I said, it's kind of like if you look at Justin Timberlake and Eminem. It's like Daddy Pat was the Justin Timberlake <laughs> and Elvis was the Eminem, right? There you go. So <laughs> okay, yep. That makes sense. <laughs> it's a good, that's a good way to explain right. it. Yeah, in that, in the late, later years in that culture, they could, oh, okay, I get that. Uh-huh. Okay, that makes sense. And um, and so you performed from, I mean, we like yeah. the beginning. Well, my dad had a TV show when I was really young, and we, we showed my, well, I say we because I'm the oldest of four girls, and we're very close in age. And so we showed up a couple of times on that show, um, and then later when, you know, he would appear on a talk show like, I don't know, Johnny Carson or Mike Douglas or Merv Griffin, we would come on that. And then we started actually singing and performing regularly with him as the Pat Boone family. And we that started when I was about 13 years old. And we got our first big opportunity to do that in Japan, of all places. My dad was very popular over there. And the Osmond family was traveling with him. And so they thought, well, if the Osmonds are going to be on, maybe you know, Pat Boone would like to bring his family on. And so that was kind of the beginning of our singing on stage and doing the family act. And then we started traveling all through the United States. And we actually did four uh, network TV specials uh, that were kind of around holiday times. Um, mm -hmm. And those were a lot of fun. And I think that's kind of where I first got kind of bitten by the acting bug and being able to play kind of sketch comedy and stuff mm -hmm. like that. I really enjoyed doing that. So... So cool. And you performed in Vegas. You were like 16. I can. Am I allowed to tell the story? Sure. So I love this story that, you know, all of us are, you know, you have the memory of your, like your first big date and growing <laughs> up in an uber conservative like Christian family. There were rules around dating and Cherry wasn't allowed to have her first date until she was 16. Yep. And what I love is that she had her first date with Wayne Osmond, <laughs> right? Um, who is Mormon from Latter Day, our church Latter Day Saints, yeah. And they both went on this date like after like the Late Show, and they go to have <laughs> pie on the Strip at like midnight or something. And I'm like, 
that's the date that you went on right, for yeah. your first date? Yeah, and we didn't have our have cars there or anything, so we took a cab to a restaurant and had some kind of light meal, and then we couldn't figure out what else to do, so we took another cab to another place and had the pie, and then you know what got dropped off at our respective hotel. <laughs> I'm like nothing like cruising the strip at I know. sixteen I know. with you know. Wayne Osmond, like, you know, you two weren't going to get into any trouble. No, not very so, likely. Um, I just think that that's fascinating. The things that, you know, yeah. you have so many different lives within your yes, life. Right. I mean, it's it's amazing. So having that exposure to all of that and being in the public eye and a big part of your, I think, your dad's persona and your family persona is that um, conservative Christian dynamic mm-hmm. that is you know part of the story and part of who your dad is mm-hmm. um you you crazy rebel you converted to catholicism yes yes after i was married and it wasn't just because my husband was interested in in you know pursuing that avenue it came from both of our interest in looking at what our faith grew out of where did christianity come from and of course it originally came from Judaism, but then after that, you know, what was the most authentic expression of Christianity? And that's what took us back to the Catholic Church. And my husband was determined that he was going to enter the Catholic Church. And so I thought, well, I should take the classes with him so I know what he's getting into. And so if if I find that I don't have anything to protest as a Protestant protestant, then I can make that step with him. And so I did. The In uh, springtime of Easter Vigil of 1981, right before our first kiddo was born. So, Bet you didn't have a giant pink three-foot bunny to celebrate. <laughs> my, um, Actually, my mom, I believe, was a sponsor um, of somebody that went through the program. I think mm-hmm. it's RCIA or... Right, yeah. And my father used to call it, I are a Catholic. <laughs> You know, said by the nice Protestant man. Right, right. Um, so I love that that's your big rebellion. And um, but your other big rebellion yes. is something that led to another one of your hyphens, which is the author piece. Right. So yeah. and I will preface it. I'll, I'm going to let you actually talk about it. Keep in mind that the book that Cherry wrote I realized all these years later that I actually used her book as a reference for a paper that I wrote in high school. Yes. And so the book was really new um, because we're not that different in age. And so clearly the book was new and this was a conversation that in an all-girls school people were having. Absolutely. And it was a resource. Mm-hmm. So now that I've front-loaded. <laughs> well, I... Uh, being the oldest of four girls, being the oldest of, in a family of a very high-achieving young man, my dad graduated from Columbia University and already had, you know, records that were in the top ten, already had a top TV show, had four kids. I mean, it, it was, you know, talk about an overachiever, right? So I, no grew up, I grew up with that example. And so for me, you know, the idea of performing well at whatever I did was kind of like I had to do it. That was just what I did. And so I I became pretty hard on myself when it came to school and grades and all of that stuff. And then when I started gaining weight, as many young teenage girls do when they hit puberty, 
Um, I, growing up in Beverly Hills, thought that I needed to lose weight, and I became obsessed with it and developed an eating eating disorder long before people really knew what eating disorders were, at least in the general public. And so I became extremely anorexic and then ultimately a few years later bulimic, and it lasted a good probably 10 years of my life and even led me to believe, according to my doctors, that I probably wouldn't be able to have kids because my reproductive organs had begun to atrophy. I hadn't had, you know, my, my hadn't had a period in eight years or so. Mm-hmm. And so everything... When, when you're starving yourself, the systems of your body that are not essential for your own survival begin to shut down. And so my being able to reproduce was not essential to my survival. Right. So it was shutting down. It's just fascinating. First of all, the, the fact that you named your book Starving for Attention is just, like, brilliant. That's one <laughs> of those things that, you know, I fancy myself a creative when I'm working with clients yeah. on, you know, logos and taglines and things. And so when somebody gets one that's just so right, I'm like, <laughs> oh, I wish I had thought of that. Yeah. Um, because, you know, starving for attention on so many levels, mm-hmm. you know, A, as essentially a child star, you know, it's that attention and, you know, that need to feel like you've done well by, you know, your family and mm-hmm. your dad's expectations and your own expectations and, right. you know, so many people looking at you, right. starving for attention. I mean, I know you on a personal level, you love yourself some attention. Like you <laughs> love, you're an extrovert. You love yeah. interacting with people. Yeah. And so you love to create and collaborate. Mm-hmm. And then obviously your body needed attention. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you well, were... and and you mentioned, you know, not only was my dad a celebrity, but he was also very well known for his religious beliefs. And so it's kind of like the pressure of being a celebrity's kid and a preacher's kid all at the same time, right. which is a very weird kind of dichotomy, you know, being pulled in those directions. And so I was trying to fit in in all kinds of crazy places. <laughs> right. And, you know? and your identity is, you know, based on all of those things. Yeah. And so then you wrote this book, which I told her I was going to do this. Okay, folks, we're going to start a movement. I am, I firmly believe that Cherry needs to like reissue this book and she needs to do an update because I'm sure that there are some treatments that have changed or that, you know, there's been headway in certain things and there's so much more research than there was when you wrote the book. Oh yeah. And And then your own experiences, you know, to be somebody that has been able to work your way through that experience Mm -hmm. and to come out on the other side and talk about, you know, here's the residual. Right. That, you know, still happens Mm -hmm. and things that don't ever quite go away. But by the way, you can function still Mm -hmm. with residual and you can change the narrative in your mind. Right. And And the things that I learned going through my own recovery, how they enabled me to help my own kids or even my husband going through difficult things that they were going through. It was like all of those things that I experienced in my recovery helped me kind of help me build some spiritual and emotional and psychological muscles that I wouldn't have had if I had not gone through those things. Mm -hmm. And that's helped me help other people. So, And she's amazing. And so (laughs) that is why I'm like, get on that. You need to get this book reissued. And then you did a follow-up that was letters to you because Mm -hmm. so many, there was such an outpouring of 
people that were so touched and affected and appreciated the fact that you went public with your struggle. Yeah. Especially as somebody that's in the public eye. Right. I think my book was the first one that really dealt with eating disorders on a first-person basis and recovery from a from uh, an eating disorder on a first-person first basis. And so that was a source of hope for a lot of people who felt like they were floundering like I had for so long, felt like they were out there all by themselves, you know, wondering what's wrong with me, is anybody else going through this? But yes, I had gone through it and I could kind of say, and by the way, you can recover. So, mm-hmm. Which, you know, plants the seeds then for what you would do later on. Yes. Um, and then you came out with another book. Yes. So what's this one now? <laughs> the third one was called Living on the Border of Disorder. And it was more for people who love somebody or in the life of someone who's struggling with addictive behavior, whether it's addictive behavior in, in the form of an eating disorder or alcoholism or drug use or whatever. And it's about loving somebody and, again, wanting to help them, wanting to make their decisions for them, but you can't. And what you can do that is helpful and what you can, what you often do that is counterproductive. Mm-hmm. So It's the whole, you know, there are folks that go to Al-Anon right. or go to different programs mm-hmm. where it's to help them because the domino effect that, right. you know, these kinds of disorders can have on the, you know, immediate circle and then as it goes out, can right. be huge. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's an interesting take. Mm-hmm. So then, of course, you explore your acting <laughs> piece and, you know, you've filmed some bits here and there and you've been sewing your crazy wild oats <laughs> with the acting piece. And yeah. how is that going? Well, you know, unfortunately, with the pandemic and everything shutting down, it hasn't been as as active as I would like it to have been. And two years ago, I broke my leg, which didn't help. My, I was <laughs> in New York doing acting stuff. I'm like, they don't literally mean break a I leg, Cherry. Could, could it have been any more of a cliche, right? I, <laughs> I'm like, you are such a pleaser that you take instruction so literally. Yeah, that derailed you. Yeah, definitely did. Um, but... I, I figured that one of the things that I have done, and we'll talk about this, is the whole idea of coaching. And one of the things that I love helping people with is connecting with their passion and helping them pursue that. Because I don't think we're given those passions by accident. I think they're in us for a reason. And when we pursue those things, we might find a career or we might find a hobby, but at least we'll find something that really lights that spark in our life that makes us excited when we get up in the morning because we get to do something we love. And that was, for me, um, kind of getting back in touch with that acting. And I thought, well, if I'm going to help other people do that, I need to walk the walk myself and not just talk the talk. So I uh, did some acting and some writing with a group that uh, it, it was called Business Theater Live, and mm-hmm. every month we would put on a show, and I volunteered to be one of the actors because they said, it's kind of like TED Talks meets Saturday Night Live. Okay. And I said, well, I don't know if I can help you with the TED Talk part, but I'd love to be involved in the Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. part. So I offered to volunteer for that, and after my first experience, they said, well, why don't you try your hand at writing some of the sketches? And so for the next three years, I wrote sketches, and I performed in them, And had the best time, so much so that when they decided to terminate that um, that program, I thought, I don't want to stop doing this. This Mm -hmm. is too much. 
this brings me too much joy and too much life. And so I went and found an agent and started taking some classes. And I've been able to do a couple of commercials and been in a couple of very small films. But it's it's definitely filling that space in my heart that needed that little flame to be reignited. So, mm-hmm. Well, you needed to pay attention to it. Yes. See what I did there? Um so now you can see why I say that she's like a hexy hyphenate, <laughs> and I feel like it can go to like septa or octa or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what the one for nine is. Well, um, a grandma, that's a new one. Well, a, a grandma and, you know, just like there are a ton of different things that you do. And what I love is that you consistently bring your whole heart to every different role that you have. And there's all these external roles that you play, you know, between being a grandma and being a caring mother and a doting wife and, you know, your father's daughter and a sister and a friend. And, you know, you just show up. Oh, well, thanks. Well, it's like a big love fest. Um, (laughs) Okay, we're going to take another quick break. And then when we come back, I want to pivot to the coaching piece. So we'll be right back with Cherry O'Neill of Active Transformation Keep listening. What's up? This is Rob Bates. And I want you to tune in to Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Heller. The show that brings joy from pain, sunshine where it rains. Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Heller. And that's coming from me, Mr. It Takes Two, Rob Bates. Tune in. Peace. Hi, I'm JDK Winnikin, host of This Show Is All About You. If you're like me, you seek many things in your life. Adventure, meaning, belonging, you have dreams and you want fun, and of course, you want love. And we also want other people to join us along the path. But what happens when you don't know how to have all that or where to start? Well, join me every week to learn more about how, because I am just like you. So join me each week here on KKNW for This Show Is All About You, a show about how you and me become we and what that means for all of us. And be sure to visit my website, wordsbyjdk.com. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to Don't Ask Me to Talk. I am Stacey Heller. I am joined today by Cherry O'Neill of Active Transformation and so many other things. <laughs> Before we get into uh, talking about Cherry, I would like to say another fun fact. That ad with JD, <laughs> he's another friend of mine and you should check out his show because sometimes I pop in and his show and Greg's are both um, radio shows here on KKNW on Mondays. Uh, JD's show is from 3 to 3.30, and Greg's show at The Root is from 3.30 to 4, and they're both available on various podcast platforms. So tune in and listen, and again, you might hear me, because I love to talk. So, back with you, Charity. <laughs> so, you're, you have all these in creative, creative endeavors, mm-hmm. and that has always been... A foundation of your life and then your spirituality has mm-hmm. always been a part of your life mm-hmm. and then there's family right and your family has always been a huge part of your life and you're very open about the fact that it's also been a struggle mm-hmm. and that it inspired you to pivot in this direction of um, helping people mm-hmm. 
have an act of transformation. But that's her business is active transformation. But I keep <laughs> saying it's like an act of transformation. Well, yeah, because it requires their a commitment on their part. They have to do they have to do the work. I'm there to kind of you know kind of hold up road signs and say don't you know you don't want to go down this way because this will lead you somewhere you don't want to be. Or I'll say, you know, you might want to look at something this way, shift their perspective on how they're seeing something, and suddenly a light bulb will go on, and they'll go, oh, I never saw it that way. So so what led you to this in the first place? Yeah. Well, um, as you said, I, you know, dealt with different challenges raising five kids, and, and three of them were diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, so that made for a lively household. And <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, yes and it does. Four of the five of them have dealt with some kind of mood disorder issues, whether it's depression or anxiety or something like that. And my youngest one really struggled with anger issues. And as a result, we kind of were at our wit's end and we didn't know how to help her. And it's, that's as much on us as it is on her that we didn't have the, you know, the skills to be able to help her through that. We ended up um, sending her to a therapeutic boarding school for a little while. And while she was there, I w- attended workshops and conferences that were recommended by the people that were running this boarding school. And I just resonated with everything that I was learning. And one of the things that they talked about was how when kids get out of a the program like this, that they often can be helped by connecting with a coach, not necessarily a therapist or you know, something like that, but somebody who can kind of coach them and help them be accountable and help them strategize about what they want to do with their lives and how to stay on course and that kind of thing. And that really resonated with me because not only had I been dealing with my five kids, but I had been very involved in the school district and at their various individual schools. I'd run a program called Data Week, which was an acronym for Drug, Alcohol, and Tobacco Awareness Week for eight years. Mm -hmm. I had run a parent networking support group for 18 years. I had helped, you know, design the curriculum at Eastlake High School for their homeroom class. I had been involved in, um, you know, uh, volunteering junior high and high school youth group at our church. So I was very involved in the lives of young people, not just my own five. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, this coaching thing, that's really interesting. And so when an opportunity came along for me to do a coaching program, learn about coaching and get the coaching certification, I thought, well, this would be great to kind of, you know, put these tools in my tool belt, right? Not necessarily thinking I was going to start a business, just that I was going to learn the skills needed to be able to help young people. And I loved the idea of when a kid gets out of a program, whether it's a you know, therapy or or rehab or something like that, where they go back out into the same environment where that problem developed and how are they supposed to cope with that? Right. And it really helps to have somebody that can walk along that path with them and kind of hold them up and, and you know, say, whoa, you don't want to do that or be, help, help them be accountable or help them be inspired. And I loved the idea of helping kids figure out what they wanted to work towards, not just what they wanted to to leave behind mm-hmm. because I think positive motivation is much more powerful than negative motivation. And so those were the reasons that I started taking this coaching certification class. And it was pretty amazing because the timing of it all, when my youngest daughter got out of the boarding school and came home, she got back into uh, high school and she graduated from high school in June. I got my certification in July. I drove her to college in August and I started my business in September. 
Wow. So I didn't have that kind of, oh, woe is me, empty nest. What am I going to do with (laughs) with myself now? It just was a natural progression. And I've been doing it ever since. And that was nine years ago. It's just, you know, a couple things that I'm thinking of is um, the Paris Hilton documentary came out Mm -hmm. and she talks about her experience at a therapeutic or a behavioral type boarding school and she talks about the trauma that she experienced and so I love the fact that you know you really weren't sending your daughter off to like have somebody else deal with this problem yeah you were recognizing that you and your husband didn't have all of as you say the tools in your tool belt Mm -hmm. to deal with it and Mm -hmm. that it needed to be you needed help she needed help you know, you needed training and understanding and all of these things, mm-hmm. and you participated in it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I got so much out of that whole program. Um, you know, I ended up going to several more of their, the things that they offered. I did a leadership conference with them, and then I did the coaching with them and, and just learned so much from that whole experience, you know, not only about helping our daughter, but about what to do with the other things in my life that I wanted to do, so... And with your coaching, Mm -hmm. do you find that is there a certain area, you know, given your experience, for instance, with your eating disorder, Mm -hmm. do you have clients that, you know, that's an area Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, addiction, as you Mm -hmm. say, and um, all of these, like, is there certain areas that you find that your clients are coming from? Um, I think, you know, there are some people that like to have just one niche, you know. And for me, when people say, what's your ideal client, my answer is whoever's ready to make whatever change is necessary, whoever, you know, whoever is willing to do whatever it takes to make the change they want to make. That's the primary thing because I will, will jump in and try to help anybody, but they have to be willing to do what it's going to take to make the change they say they want to make. But I do have certain expertise in certain areas. One is when it comes to eating disorders, anything having to do with body image, self-esteem, perfectionism, uh, all of that kind of stuff that is part and parcel of an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. Uh, Parenting issues, I have often said, learning how to go from being your child's manager to being their consultant (laughs) when it's time to kind of let go and and send them on their way and not be kind of the helicopter parent all the time. Um, That's a good one. I'm going to steal that. (laughs) I'm like... Eric, write that down. <laughs> That's um, a good one. I can steal that right. for a later time. <laughs> um, I'd gladly share it with you because it's it's true. You know, I mean, when they're little, you have to just, I mean, I'm le- relearning all this with my grandkids. I have a 16, 17, almost 17-month-old grandson and a 5-year-old granddaughter and a 3-year-old granddaughter. And that 17-month-old is like all over into everything and you have to just you're on that kind of hyper alert Mm -hmm. all the time Mm -hmm. and it's not because they're trying to misbehave it's because they don't know what they don't know right they're curious (laughs) right the world is literally their oyster right right so you know you go from being that kind of a parent where you have to hover and you have to be that hyper vigilant person to then being the one you know 18 years later (laughs) right or 20 years later whatever it is that says okay, fly, little bird, you're on your own, right? And one thing I learned having five kids is they all come with their own kit 
and no instructions, and you spend the next 18, 20 years figuring out, okay, how does this one work? And about the time you get it figured out, they leave. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it is so true. And I love that with my own business, so many people are always trying to understand. I mean, it's it's how we it's how we understand things generally as people, right? It's mm-hmm. like you make a connection that it's like, oh, this makes sense. I mm-hmm. can I can see that I can understand it. However, with my business, you know, I design a logo, sure. <laughs> you know, help you name your cat, sure. Um, you know, help you take your business to the next place. You want to do a radio show, you want to do a <laughs> podcast, like, you know, it's what do you want to have, what do you want to play in the sandbox with me and build? Right. And so I appreciate that angle that, and people get frustrated when you're like, I don't know, (laughs) you know, like. What's your area of expertise? Right. Uh. Like, yes, whatever you want it to be, which just makes you sound like you're for hire in a bad way. (laughs) And, you know, but. But I get it. It yeah. goes back to that act of transformation. Right. It, it's about the attitude mm-hmm. less than, it There's, sounds like, less there, than the what the disorder or the issue the, is. There are things, typically things that I have already worked through myself. Like another thing that I love to work with people on is how do I design the third act of my life? Now that I've, you know, had my growing up years and my school years and I've had my family and job and, and raising kids, now what? What's my purpose now? And I love, I love working with people to help them find, because it's often that thing that they were passionate about that they had to put on the, you know, on the shelf when they mm-hmm. were raising their kids or having their job or whatever. It's tap dancing. Right, exactly. And now they get to do it because they have the time and the, and the still have the energy and, you know, why not? <laughs> well, and I, I might argue that by pursuing something like tap dancing that you always wanted to do mm-hmm. or acting mm-hmm. or these things that that is actually what keeps you mentally and physically fit because you're doing something that brings you joy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I took a hip hop class too. <laughs> I love that. Well, and pre your broken leg, yes. you wore heels that rival like what some designers send down models on the runway in. <laughs> I mean, you would show up at our networking meetings and I was like, I didn't know you were seven foot two. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. I know. I've had to I've had to forego those lately while I'm still kind of my knee is still kind of recovering from having three screws in it. So I might suggest that it was God's way of saying that <laughs> enough is enough. Right. You can you can you will get high enough to meet me. You do not need to wear <laughs> heels to do or it. Or stilts, basically. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I just, I love that the other thing that you do in our networking group is you are always a source of inspiration. You know, you are always sharing quotes with us. You always find the right thing to say mm. at the right time. You know how to read a room. It's a great skill. And that's something that I know that you share with your clients. It's something that you share with people that are close to you. And Mm -hmm. you are the queen of the meme, (laughs) sending me things that just make me chuckle. You so have your eye or your finger on the pulse of like different things happening. And I always love when I get a text from you because I'm like, what she said? <laughs> it's going to make me think. It's going to make me cry. It's going to make me laugh. Right. Yeah. It's going to make me feel. Yeah. 
And, you know, at, at the core of what it is that you do as a coach is, you know, that act of transformation is about feeling. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. It's pretty powerful stuff. <laughs> You're a pretty powerful lady. <laughs> well, I think that I, I can connect with people and help them find what's powerful in them. And that's what I really love to do. Do you have um, anything that you that you miss in terms of, you know, you're exploring the acting piece, mm-hmm. the singing. I mean, you did organize a, um, a parody song for our <laughs> B&I group. You are quite a good writer, <laughs> as I indicated. Also a good artist. You'll create these amazing drawings and things for your grandchildren that, you know, are just... I'm good at copying. I'm not good at coming up with stuff out of my head, but I'm good at looking at a photograph and copying, you know, where to put the light and dark and, you know... Hey, I mean, <laughs> it's a thing. Um, you know, you could start falsifying, like, drawings or something. <laughs> there might be some money in that. I don't know. I'm just saying. Um, but your your ear and your knack for being able to do things like the parody that you did. Yeah. And, you know, Cherry was able to get a whole bunch of people from our B&I group together. And she wrote a parody for We Didn't Start the Fire. And she, like, totally rewrote the song, which, by the way, folks, listen to how long that song is. <laughs> like seven verses it's or something. It's, like, crazy. And she had people singing. And it reminds me of my topic today about things I hadn't thought about until I did it. Well, I thought I was a really good singer. And then I sang on the chorus with Cherry O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> and other members of our chapter who can actually sing. And I found out I am what they call a character singer. <laughs> well, there's there's room for that. I mean, there's what would what would acting be without character actors, right? Yes, I am essentially Miss Hannigan. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, though. I mean, she's a, a, an important character to Annie, you know? She is. And I quickly learned... Um, that was my first album that I got as a kid. My mom and dad bought me um, the Broadway show LP of um, Annie mm-hmm. and Grease. And I remember listening to Annie over and over and over and over again on my record. And when it quickly became apparent I was not going to be able to hit those notes, I quickly switched to Miss Hannigan. There you go. And I was like, she is like the bomb. So she's like the like the I love Lucy character in that. <laughs> I bet she has swishy skirts. I'm pretty sure she has swishy right, skirts. Right. Um, so what part, you know, do you miss the, the singing and doing those kinds of things? Um, sometimes I do. It was interesting. I was flipping through channels the other night and I texted my sisters because I said, you're not going to believe I, I just stopped and watched for a few minutes because I heard Debbie Reynolds voice. And we, you know, we grew up. You know, Debbie was in the same class with Carrie Fisher and, you know, and so we had I think we went to her birthday party once when we were little. And and then my dad came on as the MC of this, you know, these songs from the 50s. And then he introduced the McGuire sisters. And Holy one cow. of the things that we did as girls, you know, me and my sisters, is we would do a, a medley of other sisters, sister singers. And we did a whole medley of the McGuire sisters. And then. Nick Clooney comes on talking about the DVD, and my sister Debbie oh my is married gosh. married into the Clooney Ferrer family, and so it was like, 
How, we are so fortunate to have had such a wild, crazy life to know all these people, but I do miss singing with my sisters. Yeah. That's I what that. I miss. Oh. Yeah. Okay, on that note, we're actually out of time here. So if people want to connect with Cherry O'Neill and Active Transformation, you can go to her website, which is active, A-C-T-I-V-E, dash transformation.com. And um, next week, we're going to have a mystery guest on the show. Thank you so much to Cherry for joining me. Thank you to Eric, per usual. And um, folks, you too could be a scenty hyphenate (laughs) like Cherry. (laughs) Have a great week. Stay connected. Not close.